0: Hi there, Ripoff Tipoff listeners. This is Ezra, your host. Hope your new year is off to a great start. Today, I'm posting a bonus episode in order to share a bit more of the conversation I had with Jamie Sarles of Colorado's 18th Judicial District. In this segment, you'll hear Jamie elaborate on a form of financial fraud that affects an astounding number of families across the country.
1: 25% of kids before they reach the age of 18 have been exposed to child ID theft.
0: Without further ado, here's that conversation. And I think this would be a good time to to chat about child ID theft. But this idea that you know families are are intertwined and connected financially, and that what per, one person does, you know, maybe what a child does online could have financial consequences for their parents, and vice versa.
1: Including the example I gave, where the you know the, the ultimate target is, is 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 the business. It could be mom or dad, business that they're involved with, but. The children are the ones being farmed, right, and so information they're putting out there ultimately could be something that's damaging to the parent personally, but then could lead over into the, you know, to the business space as well, but but the child ID theft, this one just scares, scares the, uh, the heck out of me. Uh, it really does, and, and parents don't think about this, but it's, it's real, and, and looking at some of the findings and data that uh, the credit bureaus, the three credit bureaus are pushing out there and even FTC, federal trade commission what have you. But, but there was an NBC report and you know, it's looking at uh, the end of eight, 2018 numbers that about 1 million kids were victims of ID theft. And out of that number, two thirds were under the age of seven. Right. Wow. And so that, that's horrifying that here's a kid that's just, entered this world that, you know, is just a few years old and already their information has been compromised. And someone out there is using, typically their social security number is really probably the most common for fraudulent purposes. And using this social uh, security number to open up accounts, open up various types of agreements, whatever, and where this kid should not have really have a credit file or record until they're like about 18 or so and they need to get the first credit card, get ready for college, get a car or something like that. That's when it really should come into being. You know, parents will find out that there's been a file out there since they're like age seven years old. And then there's a lot of uh, debt that's accrued and what have you. And then then there's this recovery period. And that's horrifying. It's, the, the bureaus have even put out there, you know, that it's it's recommended that a parent by the time the kid is like 16 years old and they could do it before, actually contact the credit bureaus to see if there's an active and open file on that kid. And also tap into the Social Security Administration to see if that child's social security number is being used in any kind of way um, or legal way. And then in some cases, they 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 say, you know, actually it's probably good to go ahead. The child to be proactive here, preventative. Go ahead and establish one as a parent. Say it's, there's not one, but go and establish it, and then put a freeze on it, just so, oh, interesting. just so they're protected. And there's a wall, you know, around that because that's those are pretty big numbers. You know, as we said, like twenty five percent of kids before they reach age, age eighteen, we're a very populated country. That's a big number, but yeah, that's enormous. So a lot of this comes from data breaches, but a bigger and more horrifying area of, of child ID theft is about a third of the kids that have experienced this actually knew the perpetrators. And it's usually a family member or someone known to the family. So there's okay. the breaches, but then there's someone that's known to the family that is obtaining usually a social security number and taking that information for their own personal benefit, and a lot of a lot of these are parents. I mean, it's, it's it's the child's you know parents that are doing this. That what that number that that NBC report, the one million kids, you know, six in ten people knew the perpetrator, and it was a family wow. member. So so what do you do there? So you know, hopefully, mom and dad would never use that for the wrong purposes. But if you have a lot of family members, whatever. Then there's certain protections like just make sure that your kid's information is always protected and put up and it's, it's not accessible to anybody that may be around the house that could do this. Right. So there, you know, there's definitely that. It's just protecting information. And then it's something else that parents should be, become very familiar with because it's, it's a great asset for them to, to maintain control of their kid's um, private information is something called COPA. It's the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, and probably one of the best areas where a parent would, would would really try to look into this is, is in the schools, right? Is, is okay. How is your kids information being used and not being used? You have a say. COPA really applies to a kid up to age 13, but that's still a lot of years. There's a lot of school years within that before you're 13. So COPA applies to that and a person could go to the, you can just Google you know, COPA COPPA There's a wealth of information on it that they should read and feel empowered. And then there's another thing called the Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act, which was put out by the Department, US Department of Education, the Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act. But you need to know and have control over how your kids information is being used because um, there are a lot of limitations on how it can be. So we really have to do our due diligence and protect these young ones. At these early ages. So this isn't the social media thing and everything we're talking about before. This is just knowing where their social security number could potentially have been used and if there's any ongoing fraudulent activity already taking place. But it's it's also true on the back end. See, no one's looking at their no one's looking at their social security number beforehand. I mean, maybe some of the schools are heavy, but they're not looking at it on the back end. It's not uncommon for someone that is now deceased, someone that has lived 80 years, 85 years, that's now deceased, that that deceased social security number has been compromised and accessed and, and then binds a credit and financial gain for somebody else is taking place. Cause no one's looking at that social security number either. You know, there's all types of information on us that can be damaging in the wrong hands Social is a big one on the older side, and Medicare is another big one. We tell people never to carry their cards around um, mm-hmm. in case you know it's lost or whatever. But but child ID theft is is very real and it's growing. And with the number, so with once again with the advances in technology, you know law enforcement is winning. We do a very good job at staying ahead, and we we are able to suppress a lot of things, but this is organized crime and they're very, these are bright people and they're very good at what they do also. So it's this constant struggle. So as, as, as we become more and more dependent on technology, we have to be even more diligent to understand, you know, you know, what of us is out there and how we can, how we can protect, how we can protect. And it starts, it starts at a very young, very young age. Have you, do you at the BBB, do you get um, complaints coming in or inquiries are, around this this topic right here of child ID theft?
0: Um, I guess we we get a lot of um we get a lot of reports about phishing scams or scams that that could lead to ID theft. But yeah, we don't actually that's like kind of the one type of scam where mm-hmm. we don't directly receive that many reports. Well, I,
1: I think it's it's definitely important for people to understand and in a lot of the presentations that I've been giving is the severe people I want people to understand the severity of what happens when there's a data breach and the information's out there. And people need to understand that when this information gets out there, the dark web um, and in that that not so good space, is that information flows around for years. Right. so a lot of the scams that you and I talk about—the um, phishing, the the romance—I mean, all those scams—you know—lots of times, because there's been data breaches, this information has been floating around, and it goes from entity to entity. It's it's bought and sold. Your information is worth different amounts of money on the dark web, and you know a lot of companies, when they're breached, don't realize they've been breached for like six to eight months, and and so a lot of bad things can happen. During, you know Until it's it's recognized, but then again, like I said, it keeps it keeps being bought and bartered and, and sold off, and so someone may not be impacted at all from a breach for like three or four years, and all, all of a sudden, they're getting um, information that car rentals have been taken out in their name. There's a credit card or whatever, and you know it's if they're if they're even able to track it back to when it happened, it could be four years later, and we had plenty of people that have been in that recovery mode and tried to. Been repairing and getting their credit back because there's been a breach, and then it's quiet for a few years, and then boom, they've been impacted again, and they're they're in debt because somebody else has been you know manipulating their information for for financial gain.